Father, we come to this point in our service today, the Christmas service at Harvest, and we thank you, God, for all the wonderful benefits and blessings that you've accrued to us, but we thank you most of all for the greatest unspeakable gift of your Son, Jesus. We know, O Lord, that without Him we can do nothing, and we know that without Him we're lost, having no hope, and without God, but we thank you that through the redemptive provision, you've given us access into this grace. And we ask your blessing, O Lord, upon the next few minutes as we examine those things pertaining to the Christmas story and the gift of God's love, His Son, Jesus. Touch me as I speak your word today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. One of my seminary professors who has authored books and edited commentaries and is a renowned, respected theologian, he said one morning in class that the whole offering of God's gift is not just the birth of the Lord Jesus, it is the totality of his life. That all that he did, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, all of them are part of his gift to us, the unspeakable gift. That not just one part, but the totality, the entirety of the offering of, of Jesus. The Bible said that he was rich, yet for your sakes and mine, he became poor. That we, through his poverty, might be made rich. In other words, he intended to swap places with us. It is imperceivable to our comprehension that God who made all this, that God who controls the universe, that he every morning rolls out the heavens every morning, the Bible said, that nothing on this earth happens or occurs without him, that every wind that blows, blows by his permission, that every wave that laps upon the beaches of the world they do that by permission from God. Stars that twinkle, twinkle by the permission of God. Birds that chirp. All is part of God's redemptive gift to us of life through Jesus. They couldn't have sung a more appropriate song. We are the reason that he gave his life. God looked down and saw our condition. And that condition is described for us in the writing of the Apostle Paul, when he talks about us, we were strangers from the covenant of promise. In fact, the Bible said we were estranged from God. We had no relationship with him. We had no connection to him. Our, our situation was described by John Calvin as saying we were depraved. We were lost in depravity. That means that we have no ability within ourselves to lift ourselves. That we are left to our own, destined for destruction. And God looked at that condition of depravity and hopelessness and out of a heart of love offered a redemptive provision for every one of us. And that was the sacrificial offering of his son Jesus. Can you quote it with me, the golden text of the Bible? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Boy, that's a great verse, isn't it? And thank God for his gift. Can you say thank you, God, for the gift? 
the gift of his son Jesus and the sacrificial offering of his life. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. A white Christmas. You see, the Bible tells us, Come now and let us reason together, Isaiah 1.18. Saith the Lord, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. As wool. White. White as snow. White like wool. And that happens when God reasons with us concerning the sin that is in our life. God's reasoning is this, whosoever will, come ye and drink of the fountains of the water of life freely. Wow. In fact, Zechariah offered a prophecy and said, in that day, in that day, that day that in Galatians 4 calls the fullness of time, in that day there shall be a fountain and it will be open in the house of David for all manner of uncleanness. Wow. Hey, 1 John 1, 9, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us. Cleanses us. Cleanses us from all sin. And did you know that verb Cleanse is imperfect, which shows continuous action. And it should be read like this. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, keeps on cleansing us from all sin. Hallelujah. It might be that day that you became a new creature in Christ Jesus, that you were regenerated and became a brand new person. We call it being born again. Jesus called it being born of the Spirit. At that time, God wipes the slate clean. It is purged of all sin. Can you say all sin? Not just little sins, not big sins, not little white lies or great black lies. He just simply says all sin. And the blood of Jesus Christ keeps on cleansing us from all, every one of our sins. Wow. And that's God's gracious offer to us. Come, come, and let us reason together. The issue is your sinfulness. Though your sins be as scarlet, though they be red like crimson, God says they shall be made white. Because of God's Christmas, your sins can be washed away and your soul can be white and you can have a white Christmas this year. Wow. Though your iniquities be as crimson, though your sins be like scarlet, you can have cleansing through Jesus. What is the greatest emblem, would you say, of, of Christmas? Would it be a manger? where Jesus was laid in a dirty stable? Did you know that Bethlehem is the city of bread? Lehem means bread. Bet means city of. So Bethlehem was the city of bread. Is it proper then that we would lay the bread of life in a manger? In a feeding trough for animals? 
that Jesus was laid, the bread, the gift? Would it be the star that led the wise men from the east and they followed the star and came to the place where Jesus was? Well, I'll tell you this. Every direction of God leads to Jesus. Every search leads to Jesus. He is that, that treasure that we have in these earthen jars. He is that peace that is beyond our comprehension. He is that joy that is unspeakable, full of glory. Christmas is such a time of joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. But our joy is a person. Our peace is a person. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, the Bible said, He is our peace who hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us and hath made us who were enemies nigh unto God. We have relationship with God. What a great, great thought that is, that the manger and the cross are connected. They're connected because the intention of God was to give His Son and it's the intention of God. It was foreordained from the foundation of the world that Jesus should die for the unrighteous and the ungodly. So when God initiated salvation, is it Galatians 4 and 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, that he might redeem all of those that were oppressed and under the law. Wow. So this whole giving of God's son is because God wanted to break the yoke of bondage and sin and oppression that the law had imposed upon us. You see, the law had no ability to redeem. The law had no ability to remedy. It could only identify sin. It could not purge it. In fact, the Bible said, for the law could never take away sin. It was never intended to take away sin. Just identify. It's the schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. It is the condition that screams for a remedy and screams out for a solution. And Jesus is the solution to the problem of sin. Jesus is God's gift of mercy and grace. And it's the redeeming quality that brings all men into fellowship with God. We have fellowship with God through the blood of his cross. We have peace with God through the blood of his cross. So the manger and the cross are connected because the whole of his life is God's gift. Not just a baby. It isn't sad that most of the people that celebrate Christmas this year will only see Jesus as a baby in a manger. Isn't it sad that the Christmas cards when talking about Jesus at Christmas, place him in the feeding trough and the manger scene in the stable. Isn't it sad that they don't see him as the resurrected, risen Savior and Lord? Isn't it our, our duty as Christians to say, yes, God's gift was born a baby in a manger, but God's greatest gift was on a cross when that baby grew up to become the savior of the world and the healer, hallelujah, and the king of kings and the Lord of lords and the son of God. 
Wouldn't it be grand this Christmas if the world could just see Jesus as he really is? Not just a baby in Bethlehem's manger, but a risen Savior that said, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. Wow, what a wonderful pleasure that is. Just praise the Lord for that. Little did the world know or take notice in the birth of the Lord Jesus at Bethlehem. The love of God was shed abroad. The grace of God appeared to us and the Holy Spirit spoke to hearts in prophetic tones to let us who looked for the consolation of Israel know that he had come in the flesh, that God became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh. God became one of us. Great is the mystery of godliness that God became flesh. Wow, what a mystery that is. Why would God want to become one of us? Because his love for us, so unexplainable, so incomprehensible, but it was so great that it motivated him to identify with our life and our condition. Jesus bore in his own body, the Bible said, our sins. Can you imagine that the temple worship where those sheep that were out in the field in the shepherd's fields. These sheep weren't just ordinary sheep. I've told you this before. These sheep were special sheep. These sheep were what is called temple sheep. For every year when you'd go to Jerusalem at Passover time, well, it's so cumbersome to bring a gift and travel with a, a live animal, so they made them available for sale when you got to the temple. And these sheep that were tended by these shepherds, they were special. In other words, the sins of the people were upon those sheep in that shepherd's field. These shepherds that in Hebrew and Jewish society were the lowest of all people on the status scale. People who handled animals, they were of very low degree in Israelite caste system. So it was to the poorest of the poor that Jesus was announced. It was these shepherds that tended these temple sheep because everyone who owned sheep, when it came night, they would put their sheep in the fold. These sheep stayed out in the field. A lot of preaching there, but it's for another time. Stayed out in the field. And the shepherds who tended them didn't own them. So there were people that were tending sheep that weren't theirs, tending their flocks by night, while other sheep that were treasured and sheep that were sheltered, were being cared for in the fold. 
But these sheep were wandering sheep. They didn't have a fold. So it was to those who wander, who don't have a fold and don't have a protection and don't have a provision and don't have a caretaker that the angel appeared and said to these shepherds and to these sheep, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be unto all people because unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Praise God. They that have walked in the darkness have seen a great light. They that have no certain dwelling place have found a shepherd. That great shepherd of the sheep, the Bible calls Jesus. Hallelujah. When God gave to us his son Jesus, he gave a shepherd. He gave a pastor. He gave a lamb. A lamb that for so many years, so many lambs were offered up. You remember that song that Lisa used to sing? There's power in the name of Jesus because for so many years those lambs were offered up, but they could never, ever take away sin until he drank the bitter cup. Wow. One spotless lamb, one spotless lamb in the form of man gave his life on Calvary. His was the only blood that could ever set men free. What a Jesus, what a Savior, what a lamb, and what a, a shepherd. While this redemptive activity, that angels would come and announce to an elderly man, your wife is going to have a baby, and startled him so that he laughed about it and didn't believe and was struck speechless until after the baby was born. An angel appearing to a, a, a maiden girl, a virgin that was espoused and engaged and tells her that holy thing which is in you is of the Holy Ghost and you're highly favored because God has chosen you to carry in your womb the Son of the Most High. Wow. That God would start all that redemptive activity, all of that. What is, what's going on? Prophecy is being fulfilled. Rumblings of prophetic utterance are being fulfilled all around. And in the midst of all of that, we find a gift that is so unspeakable that no one can comprehend the love, the mercy, and the grace. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Christmas was necessary because God wanted to send a remedy for sinners of whom I am chief. Christ came into the world to save sinners. In fact, by his own admission, the Bible said he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Seek and save. We know a whole lot about his saving. 
What about his seeking? Seeking. Wise men still seek him. People who desire forgiveness and pardon for sin and iniquity, they, they still find that peace in Jesus. Would it surprise you to know that Jesus loves sinners? Did you know that one of the greatest accusations of Jesus was he is a friend of sinners? In fact, Charles, they, they complained that Jesus ate with publicans. And Jewish people considered publicans the worst of all sinners. Because they were the ones that had betrayed their own country and became puppets for the Roman government and became tax collectors for the Romans. They worked for the Romans to tax their own people. Hey, you know how you feel about IRS? Well, that's how they felt about publicans. They hated and despised publicans. And for good reason. Because most of them were corrupt. And most of them stole from the poor. And most of them abused and cheated and swindled and stole literally and robbed. Jesus was telling a story about sinners. And he was answering the accusation that was made about him being a friend of sinners. And he said, yes, I do love sinners because they're lost like a sheep. And then he talks about the shepherd who left 99 safe in the fold and went out to find a wanderer. And I told you, I've I preached that wrong sometimes in my ministry, my career, and the many thousands of sermons I've preached. I've got that wrong a bunch of times. Because I always preached that that was a lost person that had never been saved that he went out to rescue and bring into the fold. But if you read that more carefully, you'll find out that that sheep was part of the fold that left that morning. He was in the fold, Rodney. He, was, he is one of the saved, cared for ones, and he was present in the fold. But somehow he didn't make it back that night. He was one who had been saved. One among the sheep in the fold, there was a hundred of them. But when he counted, he only counted 99. And he said, one's not here. And he went out to find that one wanderer. That one that tripped and fell into a snare. That one that lost his way. That one that couldn't figure it out. And the Bible said that the good shepherd, Jesus said this, left the saved ones the secure ones, and went out into the danger of the night in the wilderness to seek for the wanderer that didn't make it back home. Was that you? 
And he found that sheep and put it on his shoulders, the Bible said, and brought it back into the fold. Could you say that Jesus is a restoration specialist? Could you say that God is interested in restoring and healing and reviving and mending? What else would cause him to leave and go find a wanderer? A wanderer. Then he said, I love sinners because they're lost like a coin. Something that was valuable to somebody, they lost it. And she swept out the house, which means sinners and unconverted ones are lost in dirtiness. And she lit a candle. That means that sinners and wayward wandering ones are lost in darkness. And Jesus said, I love them because they're in that condition. And the Bible said she found the coin and she said, come and rejoice. I'm going to have a party at my house. I found the coin which was lost. Come and rejoice with me. But then Jesus tells another story about a lost son. And he said that son took all that he had and went into the far country. And when he'd spent all, he came to be in want. And he joined himself to a citizen and did fain fill his belly with husk that the swine did eat. But he came to himself. That's the hope of every mother and dad here, isn't it? I said that's the hope of every mother and dad that's here. Is that some way, somehow that wanderer will come to himself. Will finally get, get it through his head. Hey, I need to get up from this condition I'm in. Look at me in a hog pen with all of this dirt and grime and mess on me. There are people that work for my dad that fare better than me. I'm going to go back and I'm going to tell my dad, make me a servant. But the Bible said while it was a great way off, the father saw him. How do you think the father spotted him when he was a great way off? Must have been looking for him. I said he must have been looking for him. And I want to tell every wanderer that may be in this house today that God is looking for you. You may have wandered and you may be lost in darkness and lost in dirtiness, but there's a heavenly Father that loves you and he's looking for you and anticipating your return. When he saw him a great way off, the Bible said he ran to him. Ran to him. And I want to tell you, it wasn't one of these 70-year-old jogs. It was an all-out race. He ran to him. While he was a great way off. Before he got back, Brother Mark, he was still a great way off. You mean God loves me while I'm still a great way off? You know, God still loves me when I've wandered a long way and I'm a great way off, but he still loves me enough that he'll run to me. He would run to me. He would run to me. He ran to him and embraced him. Wait a minute, he's not got the pig slop off of him yet. You're going to hug that nasty thing? He stinks. 
You can smell him before you get to him. He's nasty. He ran to him and embraced him and hugged him. And he said, this my son that was lost is now found. And this my son has been restored. Praise God. Jesus was telling that story. And the Bible said the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Certainly we don't want any Sadducees at Christmas, do we? Sadducees. Scribes begin questioning him and bantering back and forth because, you see, he came unto his own, but his own received him not. Therefore, as many as did receive him, gave he power to become the sons of God. When he got that rejection from the Sanhedrin, and when the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the Levites and all the pop and the ceremony that's connected to the Sanhedrin rejected his gift of life, he turned to others who were undesirables. Undesirables. And Jesus told a story. He loved to tell stories to get a point across. And he said, there was a Pharisee standing praying in the temple. And he prayed and he said, Lord, I thank you that I am not like that publican there. I thank you, God, that I offer prayer three times a day. I thank you, God, that I attend temple, all the ceremonies, all the feasts, all the rites, all the rituals, I do them all. I thank you that I'm a tithe payer. I, I thank you that I keep all of the law. And I thank you I'm not like him. And Jesus said, and the publican also prayed, standing afar off. I wonder why God likes folks and still seeks for people who are afar off. A publican standing afar off smote himself upon the breast and said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And Jesus said, and that publican went down to his house more justified than the Pharisee. He just told that story. The next chapter tells about a little man named Zacchaeus. And he was a publican. And Jesus was passing through Jericho. Jericho was a city that was populated with more priests and more Pharisees than any other city. How about that? So there were more rejectors in town than there were acceptors. And there was this little guy who climbed up in a sycamore tree. For the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up into one who was afar off. And he said, Zacchaeus, 
you come down here. I'm going to your house today. You mean Jesus? As a friend of sinners, he came to seek and to save that which is lost? Is that what Christmas is all about? Is that Jesus came to seek for and save sinners? When reading this, I was challenged by a statement that was made by one of the expositors. And he talked about how that that publican that Jesus saw in the temple when he made that statement is the same publican that smote himself upon the breast. Is he that same publican that climbed up in the sycamore tree in the next chapter? Could it be that that same publican that said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner, is the same publican who in the next chapter climbed up in a tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way and saw the sinner who climbed up in the tree, who said, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner, said to that sinner, come down from your perch and I'm going to your house today. Pastor, has anything like that ever happened anywhere else in the Bible? That's, that's an isolate. No. There was a guy named Nathaniel that one of the disciples, Andrew, I believe it was, brought to Jesus. And Jesus, when he saw Nathanael, said to him, Nathanael, an Israelite indeed, I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree reading the Bible and wanted to know who, who that Christmas baby was going to be and what he was going to look like, that redeemer that you promised would come to this world, that one that rode in the chariot with the, the eunuch and said to him, understandest thou what thou readest? He said, I don't understand. Tell me. He said, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading that he was led as a lamb to the slaughter in that he opened not his mouth. Jesus said to that sinner, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's that baby that was in that manger that grew up to be the savior of the world who hung on the cross, died a sacrificial death, and rose a victorious, triumphant resurrection. That baby is Jesus. I've talked to you before about a little shady lady in that same city of Jericho. It was part of the promised land back then. And it was occupied by Canaanites. Joshua 2 and 6. Yeah. Spies were sent to Jericho. And here is a Canaanite lady that befriends the spies. 
And the Bible said that she hit him. Hit him. And she told the authorities, don't know what you're talking about. And her testimony was this. I wonder why the spies went to her house. Well, if you wanted to be incognito, you would probably go to a place where strangers are coming and going all hours of the night. So they picked that place. And this lady had heard something that had put faith in here. Faith comes by hearing by the... So what happened that she befriended these spies? She said, I have heard how that your God is a great God. I've heard how that your God opened up the waters of the Red Sea. I've heard how that your God fights battles for you. I've heard how that your God led you around in a wilderness with a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. I've heard how that your God smote a rock and out came water. I've heard how that your God supplied manna for you to eat every day and I have believed on that God. I believe that your God is my God and I'm gonna accept your God as my God. And she got saved. You believe she got saved, Brother Jerry? How did she get saved? When she believed. Turn over to Hebrews 11. Is it 31, Don, where it talks about Rahab? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, I think it is. It says that Rahab did something spectacular. By faith, by faith, the harlot, the prostitute, the streetwalker, the shady lady. Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. By what? By faith. Come on, somebody say faith. Faith. We are saved by grace through faith. So when you get to heaven, I said when you get to heaven, if you know the Lord Jesus and you happen to meet up with Rahab, she won't be the prostitute Rahab. She won't be the streetwalker Rahab. She'll be the saved sanctified Rahab that re believed the report of the Lord. Here's your good one. She was the great, great grandmother of King David. Brother Jerry, are you telling me that my Savior the Lord Jesus has in his family tree a woman who was a harlot and a streetwalker and a prostitute 
You mean in the family tree of the Lord Jesus? If you'll read that account, Matthew chapter 1. You remember that lineology that we talked about? Come on, Connor, and help me quit. That lineage and that ancestry of Jesus, and it goes for about 16 verses. They're telling you, so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Simon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boy, how did she get on that list? How did she get numbered as believers? When you get to heaven and you see a book called the Lamb's Book of Life, there may be some names on there that you wonder how they got on that list. There may be some names on that city directory of the city of our God that you may wonder how they got their name in that book. All through the fire, some through the fire, some through the water, some through the flood, but all through the blood. If they get their name in that book, it will be because Christmas came for them and the baby in the manger grew up to become the Savior on the cross. Hallelujah. The greatest gift that you can receive this Christmas. You know, Christmas season is quite tough for a lot of people. For a lot of people, there are bad memories associated to Christmas. Everything from the death of a loved one a car wreck that took an 18-year-old's life. And every time Christmas rolls around, it's a reminder of how that awful pain and that awful hurt. This week I've counseled with people. I've had them look at me with tears in their eyes and say, Pastor, this is the hardest time of the year for me. I've had people talk with me this Christmas and tell me about their struggle and how that Christmas can't be a happy time because of the intensity of their struggle. And without fail, I've told every one of them, Michael, God's gift for you at Christmas is peace. Peace on this earth, peace in your heart, peace in your family, peace in your home. And the second gift that God's got is joy. Joy. I said that to a young man morning before last. And he had been so sad the whole time I'd been talking to him. And I said to him, I said, God's gift for you this Christmas is joy. And he looked up at me and he said, are you kidding? I said, no, I'm not kidding. I said, I don't have any kidding to give you. All I've got to give you is a Savior and He brings unspeakable joy. 
And if you've never experienced peace and happiness, your gift this Christmas is peace and happy. I challenge every one of you to find the real gift that keeps on giving, that keeps on giving. Praise the Lord. Stand with me, please. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Christ the Lord, for He alone is worthy for he alone is worthy for he alone is worthy Christ the Lord you have your communion The Bible tells us that on the night that the Lord was betrayed, He assembled with the disciples in a place called an upper room. He talked to them about the events that were about to take place, about how that the Son of Man was about to be delivered into the hands of sinners, and that they would crucify and kill the Son of God. Jesus took the bread and the Bible said He broke it and He gave it to each of them and He said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. In like manner also, He took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you. Take and drink ye all of it. Just my salvation. Thank you, God, for that wonderful gift of salvation through Jesus. 
thank you that when I was nothing and I had no life, that you took my life and you touched my life. And I thank you, God, for lifting me. I thank you for this Christmas season. I bless your name. I bless your name. I bless your name. I thank you and I praise you. And I worship you. And I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Thank you, Lord.